Hello and welcome to another week of looking at God's Word together. We pray that our ministry is helping in some way. And as always, if you have questions or just need some prayer, please feel free to reach out to us through our website at www.thelatterrain.org. We would be glad to help. As part of today's look into God's Word, we'll be seeing Proverbs chapter 20. Like we've been doing for some time, we'll pick through a few verses that touch upon different things and, and go from there. But as always, I encourage you all, for your own good, to really go through each verse carefully on your own. Every verse in the Bible holds some sort of teaching, guidance, and or meaning, and it needs to be taken in slowly, line by line, and prayerfully, asking the Lord for wisdom and understanding. Everyone should have their own few minutes of quiet time every day with the Lord in prayer and in reading and meditating on His Word. That's something that will always keep you growing in your relationship with the Lord. But for right now, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to guide us effectively and clearly as we look into His Word together. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise You and I worship You, O Lord, for Your goodness and Your mercy and Your grace, Heavenly Father. Hallowed and glorified be your name, for you are worthy to be praised and exalted, O Lord. Thank you, O Lord, for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your love through Him, for the salvation that we have through Him. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you please forgive my sins. And I pray, Heavenly Father, now that you might please guide us, that you might help us to understand. Help us, O Lord, to have soft hearts, Lord God, and open minds to you, to your word, to your truth. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each person listening. I pray, Lord God, that you may just work in their lives, just as you've been working in mine. Because, Heavenly Father, your word touches each of us, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, for your wisdom, for your understanding. And, Lord God, I pray, Heavenly Father, again, that you may just you may just help us, O oh Lord, to, to glean what we need to glean and to understand what we need to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we'll be reading from Proverbs chapter 20, and this is what we read. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. The wrath of a king is like the roaring of a lion. Whoever provokes into anger sins against his own life. It is honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Most men will proclaim each of his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. A king who sits on the throne of judgment scatters all evil with his eyes. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin. Diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. Do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes, and you will be satisfied with bread. It is good for nothing, cries the buyer. But when he has gone his way, then he boasts. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Take the garment of one who is surety for a stranger and hold it as a pledge when it is for a seductress. Bread gained by deceit 
is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. Plans are established by counsel. By wise counsel wage war. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. An inheritance gained hastily at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Do not say, I will recompense evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will save you. Diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord, and dishonest scales are not good. A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? It is a snare for a man to devote rashly something as holy, and afterward to reconsider his vows. A wise king sifts out the wicked and brings a threshing wheel over them. The spirit of a man is a lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Mercy and truth preserve the king, and by loving kindness he upholds his throne. The glory of young men is their strength, and the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil, as do stripes the inner depths of the heart. We'll start off with a warning because we're going to touch on something briefly at the beginning that can be difficult, controversial, and problematic because many people struggle with this, including many Christians. So we're going to go back to verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever's led astray by it is not wise. The business of drinking alcohol has always been a topic of contention which we'll touch upon very briefly today because the book of Proverbs goes even deeper into this later on. So these are previews of upcoming attractions, if you will. But as we read here, at minimum, it is something we really need to be careful with. In essence, whether a lot or a little, when drinking alcohol, you're opening the door to other not-so-good possibilities. That's why there is a clear warning in this verse. Wine, although it is considered milder and of high class by some people, it has its dangers. It can take you somewhere where you can lose control. And of course, strong drink will take you there even faster. And so, we are taught that we cannot be laid astray by either, especially if we want to behave wisely. Just a little bit is all it takes, and knowing when to stop is not always very clear. Our bodies are not the same every day, and there are always unknowns. But like I said before, we'll only touch upon this very slightly today, for that's it for now. Let's skip ahead to verse 3, where it says, It is honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. This is one of those things that is easier said than done. But if you are able to get this down, your life will be much more peaceful, guaranteed. That's what this book of Proverbs is about, along with the rest of the Bible. It's about teaching wisdom so that your life runs smoother, so that you avoid all of the pitfalls and mistakes, and of course the sin that can complicate your life and the lives of those that surround you. In this particular verse, we are taught to avoid conflict. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to become yes-men per se, but we need to learn how to live peaceably with each other, even when we have disagreements. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 to 18 says, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So it is easy to start a fight, that is our 
natural inclination. If someone so much as looks at us in a wrong way, the stage is set for at least a good yelling match. Our instinct is to be defensive and even sometimes offensive. That's why it says that any fool can start an argument. It doesn't take a high level of intellect to start something. But to control that situation, to put reins on your emotions, and dare I say to control your mouth, now that is something great. That truly sets you apart from the crowd. And that is what God wants us to have happen in our lives. We can only take control of our emotions and responses through the work of the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit, for it is written, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So how we carry ourselves says a lot of where we are spiritually. And as Christians, we're supposed to win over people not by arguing or protesting or anything like that. The Bible teaches in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, it says, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now let's jump to verse 6, where it says this, Most men will proclaim each his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? In this verse, we see that people can try to publicize the good things they do. Although the Bible says that we should do our good deeds in secret so that God can reward us. But what is hard to find is a faithful person. Now, a faithful person can mean many things here, and this is sometimes misunderstood. According to the Bible, we need to be faithful in order. Or in other words, we need to be faithful to the Lord first and to our neighbor second, and always in that order. The Bible teaches us that we need to love the Lord with everything we are, and and faithfulness is found in love. It's a component of love. And after that, we need to love our neighbor as ourselves, and our neighbor can in fact be our enemy, for instance, because your neighbor is whoever is around you at any given moment. We have neighbors that live next to us. We have a lot of neighbors in traffic while driving, and yes, even that person that showed you an obscene hand gesture. We have neighbors in the supermarket, at work, at school, and so on. We are constantly surrounded by all kinds of people. So, where is the mistake that people make or the misunderstanding that happens with being faithful? The problem that sometimes emerges is when people expect you to support them when they are doing something wrong, and that you need to remain faithful to them while they are doing something wrong. That's a problem. Like we mentioned before, Our love, faithfulness, allegiances, etc. should always be to the Lord first. And through that first priority is that everything else starts falling into place. So if we're putting the Lord in first place, how can we even think about supporting others in their sin against God himself? It doesn't make sense, right? So what do we do? We can be faithful people, especially when someone is not going down a good path. For starters... We should pray for them. Prayer is usually thought of as a last resort when it should always be the very first thing we do. When you pray for a person, even though they don't see you standing with them, you are actually helping them in the best way possible. Second, we should always stand our ground just like the Lord showed us through his example. Jesus didn't shun people. 
He didn't go around calling out folks and telling them what kind of bad people they were, except for the religious hypocrites. He had a problem with those folks. Jesus met with people in general, ate with people, helped and even healed people, as long as they had the right heart. And that's where we need to strike the balance, if you will. We can hang out with people if they are looking for the truth, but we don't have to participate in what they're doing wrong to win them over. The Bible is very clear in that if we say that wrong things are okay, and we agree with them, that we are just as guilty as those that do them. Romans chapter 1 verse 32 gives us this warning. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. This is why we cannot just roll with things and approve what is going wrong, even if we are not doing the wrong thing ourselves. This also teaches us something that will help people not get confused because many Christians really confuse a lot of people. Let's say I have a friend that has fallen into a sinful lifestyle and they profess being a follower of Jesus. If I continue hanging out with them and I don't lovingly help them understand that what he is doing is wrong, but rather just accept what is happening and make like nothing is wrong, I am sending a wrong message to that friend. I am indirectly saying that what they are doing is okay because it is not interfering with our relationship. And so they assume that everything is okay and they don't even look to even think about what they are doing wrong. But if I try to speak to him and lovingly tell him what he is doing is wrong and that he needs to turn away from it, especially if he wants to retain our relationship, I am then sending him a clear message that I am trying to help him and that what he is doing wrong will affect our relationship. So I am helping by raising awareness. He may not like it at first, but he may feel even like I'm a jerk or something like that. But before the eyes of God, I'm standing my ground and putting myself in a position to help rescue if that person wants to stop doing what is wrong because they will understand sooner or later that I only want what is best for them and that I am unwilling to compromise in order to help him as best as possible. It's a little tricky and sometimes people tread on the side of being judgmental, but we just need to look at what Jesus did and follow along as best as possible. Remember that Jesus is our example. Now, let's slide to verse 7 where it says, The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. This is a very deep verse. But what we can basically say is that we need to walk the talk. Jesus taught us this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 19 to 20, where it says, Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So a person is not righteous by what they say or even teach, but rather by what they do, how they walk in life. A righteous person, one that is so before the Lord, does not have to talk about his integrity, but it should be fairly visible in the things they do, in the decisions they make, in the way they treat people, and so on. Integrity is rare, but God wants us to be rare people, 
now not weird. He doesn't want us to be weird people. Believers sometimes get this wrong. We're not necessarily supposed to be crazy, elusive, or even complex. The only reason we need to be seen as different is because we're following the Lord's lead, not the world's lead. And getting more into integrity, it can be defined or explained a little better as follows, thanks to our friends at Vocabulary.com, where it says, Having integrity means doing the right thing in a reliable way. It's a personality trait that we admire, since it means a person has a moral compass that doesn't waver. It literally means having wholeness of character, just as an integer is a whole number with no fractions. God wants us to have integrity and that our walk with Christ should have integrity. And so, if you have children, they will be blessed by that righteous integrity because they will see a living example of what it's like to follow Christ. Now, does that mean that you have to be perfect? Of course not. But it does mean that you are allowing God to work in all areas of your life and that there is a visible and tangible process that is occurring in your life that they are experiencing as they live with you. That's one of the main things that throws kids off, if you will, when they see incongruity in your own life, that Jesus may be in one spot in your life and not in another, and that there are contradictions within your own self. You can fool people outside, but it is very difficult to fool your kids. And here's where we will finish on verse 11, where it says, Even a child is known by his deeds, whether what he does is pure and right. We can say whatever we want. We can try to maintain appearances and pretend to be something we're not. We live in a world full of actors, people that wear different masks, depending on who they are with and where they are. But one thing is for certain, that our actions will show who we are, especially before the eyes of the Lord, because He sees everything we do, and He knows even what is within the depths of our very souls. We can't put anything over the Lord. He knows us better than ourselves. And also, people will know what we are by what we do. So, we should always keep that in mind. Our actions ultimately dictate who we are. And that's why we need to be so careful with what we put in our lives, what becomes a part of us. Our actions are the product of what we allow to live within us. That is why we need to be careful with what we expose ourselves to, what we take in, what we ingest spiritually and mentally. Our actions will ultimately speak to God and others and will tell them who we are, what we are, and what we are capable of doing, whether good or evil. Someday, sooner or later, we will leave this earth, and what we do here will dictate what will happen with us after. My advice to you is to let God have His way in your life here and now. For in doing so, you will do what is good here and now, and you will have nothing to worry about later on, whenever your time comes, because absolutely no one knows when that is. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, O Lord, for, for your word, for your instruction, Heavenly Father. Help us, O oh Lord, to, to be able to acknowledge your word, to understand it, to take it in, to know that it is ultimate truth. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that we need to, to live your word. And, and we know full well, Lord God, that through your Bible, through your word, it doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. 
but that we have to be on our way to it. And we have to let you work in our lives. That our relationship with you needs to become a reality. Something that we live each and every day. Heavenly Father, help us to live a reality of salvation. Help us to live, Lord God, saved lives. Heavenly Father, help us to triumph over our weaknesses, over the things that still trouble us in our spiritual walk. Help us, O Lord, to have humble hearts before you, Lord God. Help us, O Lord, to be wise, to live wisely, Lord God, so that we can avoid all the different things that you want us to avoid. There's absolutely no reason why we have to commit the mistakes that we commit. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that and that your instruction, your word, your guidance, your, your advice is there to set us free from those things, is to help us avoid the pitfalls, is to help us avoid all of the different problems that other people go through, Lord God. Help us, O oh Lord, to just understand that and to take it in, Lord God, and, and that when we take it in, that we also help others understand that, Lord God, so that they can also live different lives. Heavenly Father, help us to be, to be heaven-bound in our minds, in our hearts, Lord God. That everything that is here will, will one day go away. All of this will pass. It's just a matter of time. But what you have for us is forever. The salvation that you have for us is forever. Heavenly Father, I pray for each person that is listening. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they may not just listen, but that it may sink deep into them and that it may form part of their decision-making, Heavenly Father. And not my words, but your word, Lord God, that your word may sit in. My words are nothing. Your words are everything, Lord God. I give you thanks and I praise you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us again next time as we continue studying God's word together. Please feel free to write to us through our website if you have any questions or just need some prayer. Our web address again is www.thelatterrain.org. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. May God bless you.